This week's episode is a recording of a conversation produced by Tiffany Earle and Anelody Milne, the founders of Lemmy. We've done our best to enhance the audio of the 20-year-old conference call. While the sound may not be the best, the content is a classic. Today's conference call is on how liber are you? So hopefully you have paper and pen and can jot down some of these questions and perhaps during the call you can have time to jot down the answer that comes to you if there's an area that you feel like you need to focus on or something that comes to your mind that's important, just take note of it. We'll be going through several things, so some of them we'll stop and elaborate on, others we'll go through rather quickly. Um, I'm going to be asking you several questions, so make sure that you have a pencil, and when you jot down the question, we're going to give you some levels to to kind of analyze where you're at on those That's right. questions. So how liber are you? Our first question is, to what level have you invested in your education? I'll repeat that. To what level have you invested in your education? Tiffany, go- can I just really quickly, for some people, they may not know the word liber very well. Yes, so give us the history I, yeah, of liber. I'd like, to, I'd like to go over that a little. The word liber is a root word for liberty and library and libro. You can already see that if liberty and library are connected, then somehow in the history of the etymology of the word, that there was a belief that liberty and education went together. <laughs> of course, many of you probably know the definition of liber. It's the it's Latin, and it's the definition. Liber is Latin for tree bark. <clears throat> and people who, it, it, the Romans used tree bark to make their paper, and the people who could engage in contract or could have relationships of contract were considered to be liber. And contract usually infers that you had private property and were protecting it. And and that you... and. It also infers that if you had private property, you were educated enough to own private property. And know the laws. Yeah. So liber and so liberty and education are, in the Latin mind, are inseparably connected. So under the word liber, we're going to ask you several freedom questions, which have to do with your education and your liberty. Your liberty. Right. The thank you. And the first one is, to what level have you invested in your education? Here are the seven levels. The bottom one is ground level. We call this the couch potato. This is the type of person who hates learning. They don't do it. The the person's pride prevents them from seeing truth in anything except for what they think is true. And I'm going to use you now instead. So if you're at ground level, you're a couch potato, you hate learning, you don't do it, your pride prevents you from seeing the truth in anything except for what you believe is true. And you make the same mistakes over and over, wondering why the results never change. <laughs> that is ground level. That's, you know, you know, you're just standing there. Okay, of course, we, obviously, none of you are at that level. There's no way that you would even be seeking to educate, you know, your children. or But you, you can, sometimes I, I like to take a, 
analysis of of me and my friends and my associates because I know that the people that I hang with I'm going to be like. So not in a judgmental way, but in an analytical way for myself to how to better myself. Sometimes I'll take the top three to six people in my life and see where they fit in these as well. But today, mm-hmm. really focus on yourself where you're at. Number two level. Can I add to that the ground level? Yes. My daughter has started a newsletter in our neighborhood, so we deliver newsletters to 1,200 households in my neighborhood. And it's very interesting because I, you know, have to go up to the door and put the newsletter on their door and walk away. I, I I have been having a very interesting experience doing that because I walked up to a house and the, the the lawn wasn't mowed, and there was kind of some garbage strewn. And I went to put on the the newsletter, and it was like seven o'clock at night. And I heard the TV blaring in the background in the home, and I saw three men sitting on the table. I mean, sitting on the sofa, watching the TV. <clears throat> and, you know, eating their dinner. <clears throat> and I thought that was really interesting. Then a couple of days later, I was delivering the newsletter again, and I was up in a different area, and the, I came up to this house that the, the lawn was immaculate and looked really great, and there was no garbage out there, and <clears throat> a beautiful flower garden. And they, I walked up to the door, and the window of the door was, I mean, the window of the house, the the drapes had been pulled back, and the study, I guess, is right off of the front door. And, I mean, I didn't peek into the window. You can just see the window. And there was this man sitting in his chair reading a book. And I thought, wow, that is so interesting, the difference between sitting and watching in TV, the couch potato, and another of the of a man sitting reading a book and the kind of homes that they lived in, the reflection of their lives. Wow, that is interesting. I mean, and they were just about... 1,200 homes, you know, yeah. keep on looking for patterns, see if it's consistent. That is interesting. Yeah. I mean, they weren't... They One home wasn't more expensive than the other. They were very comparable homes, you know, medium-sized homes. They weren't like huge homes on the hill or whatever. What I just right. thought was really interesting that the whole couch potato attitude really reflects that your education really reflects in all aspects of your life. Okay, number two, money tree. This sometimes looks like the worker, a person who is in level two, learns for money. The education itself has no meaning. It is a way to get money. It's that the, you buy into the philosophy that education is about getting a good job or good grades. As long as it seems that education will better the person's station in life, the person will do the requirements. This is the level that when I was in public school, this was the initiated level that we were supposed to buy into. This was the top level of education. For the words, it wasn't for all the teachers. And you're saying it's the second us. level of education. So this is the second level. This is just like the... And there are seven levels. Just one, this yeah. is the top level. Yeah, the, it was most of the time, unless I had an exceptional mentor, 
this was the language. You're here because you need good grades. You're here because you need a good job. That's why you're here. Very rarely was there a teacher who said, education is here to make you happy. You know, right. getting educated is going to make you find joy in life. Getting education is going to give you experiences that nothing else can. I mean, that it wasn't that kind of language. It was the language of, you need to get good grades and you need to get a good job and or you know fail in the work in the workplace. Right. And that's level two. And there's a large amount of people who buy into that level for education. Um, I think it's really interesting, Tiffany, because <clears throat> my husband has had opportunity to get to know Dave Ramsey a little bit working for his company. <clears throat> and um one of the things that he says I mean he's all about money, right? Right. Financial peace and one of the right. And one of the things he says is that a person has to change their mentality to be from worker to leaders. And he yes. says, and all leaders read. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to say is my brother, who is one of the original founders of Kinko's, who <clears throat> lives on a little villa off of a lake in Tennessee now, I've had opportunity to kind of visit with him, and he says the exact same thing that we all have to change our mentality from workers to leaders and that, le- that that leaders read. I mean, and my brother has dyslexia. <coughs> and not only has dyslexia, but has he has had, had huge struggles in school. And his third grade teacher told my mother that he would never amount to be anything. Wow. Wow. So, so an educator who has the mentality of the worker be the worker thinks right. that a that a young boy like that who's not doing well in school is it's never of, going to be anything. It's kind of like the same as what Einstein's teachers would have thought, or Edison's teachers would have thought. Exactly. You know, they couldn't do well in school, but the grade had nothing to do with their education. Them conforming to what the other kids could do had nothing to do with the happiness in their life from their education or the contribution that they would make to mankind. I mean, there's a huge different philosophy here. Even, And we can see it a lot with those who choose the professional track and who choose it. Now, this is important to understand. We hope everyone will choose a professional track after they have their broad liberal arts. You know, the the professional track in that sense is, is what depth phase is. Right. There's a big difference between skipping the broad liberal arts and jumping into the specialization professional track. Because what Be- happens is when the when you have the broad liberal arts or the or the or the education Foundation. for freedom, you understand, you absolutely understand that the profession you choose to be in, you are a leader in. That's it's right. Exactly like what my brother says and what Dave Ramsey said is You've, you've got to get out of the worker mentality and you've got to get into the leader mentality. That's right, because then you contribute to the society of man, not just take away. Right. It's completely two different tracks. So that, that's the second level, and there are many, many, many people who fall into that because it's such a huge base philosophy for our public school system. Well, and plus, too, I think what happens is it's the the rhetoric is based on is a fear based rhetoric. Yes, if it, you is. Don't, it is. You it will is. fail if you yes. don't. You know you 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 are going to end up a loser in society. It's very fear based, right. and and 
we know that fear is very effective. I mean, that's how Hitler took over his country. Yes, that's right. Fear is very effective. That's how Mao took over his country. And it's interesting to see what the fear, what happens. I I think something that's, that's funny about that is with fear, just waiting, like I remember... In in school, we had it. We had an incredible teacher, Mr. Westerman, and every year he'd been teaching for years, and he taught this AP history class. And every year he'd done this experiment with his students, and it worked every single year until and and I'm not saying I'm saying sometimes there are an exceptional person. Okay, my older brother was like this in a way. He reminds me of Tatiana. This experiment that he did work every year until he had my brother. And it's the same fear, fear-based fear simulation. It was a simulation that he did in class, and it was when they were studying about Hitler. And the, the students didn't know what was happening, but he put them into groups. He picked people who were hidden secret agents who would tell on the other students, and he gave them some power. Okay, so they were really excited. You can imagine, you know, teenagers getting this power to tell on other students. He set up this code that they had to live by even when they were not in class. Like they had to hail the leaders, the leader when they saw him. They had to step on the other side of the hall if he was walking down. I mean, he set up this entire system, okay? And he enforced it by, according to how they acted, would determine their grade on this project, which was 50% of their grade. Whoa. I mean, it was this big thing because he wanted the biggest, exactly. The biggest thing that always happened when he taught about World War II is everybody would say, how could anybody follow Hitler? Why didn't anybody stand up to him? So he did the simulation so they would understand human nature, right? And he all he did was implement the same things that Hitler did. And he gave some people power. He he made them prejudiced against a certain group of the people, and he took away some of their rights and I mean all this stuff. So the first after he'd done the secret things and he was introducing something, he was introducing a behavior that they had to follow. Okay. Well, something about my brother is that to him, when something is morally wrong, he can't. At that point in his life, literally, he could not do it. So this behavior that they had to do toward the other kids, my brother couldn't do. And he he stood up. My brother's really tall. He stood up in class and he said, I will not do that. And the teacher just looked at him. I mean, he just looked. I'm sure he was in shock. He'd been doing this for 10 years. No one had ever stood up. And it was at the right moment where it tipped the scale and 10 other students stood up and said, I will not do that. And it it was an amazing date. There was an assembly. He made them stay in there. He made them miss the assembly. I mean, it it just changed the simulation is what happened because he couldn't, he didn't have the, the same power to do what he was going to do. And and he had you know, rebels amongst them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, when you think about it, there's a certain time when that fear comes out. There's a certain time. So that, you're saying what you're saying, really? I mean, I'm I'm making a connection here. Is you're saying that if if enough of us stand up to say we will not buy into that lie, 
Right, anymore. but it has to be it's the timing. It's the timing. Had he waited another day, he wouldn't have those 10 followers, and the simulation would have gone ahead, and it would have just been that my brother failed. It yeah. wouldn't have tipped the entire simulation. Wow. I'm thinking about the homeschool movement and how huge it's become. It's The, the time is right now, isn't it? It is. The time For is right. For us to stand up and say no more. Yeah. We're not yeah. doing this anymore. I, you and I were talking about that on the phone last night, how incredible it is that it's not just a handful of 10 people who are trying to become liver. I mean, if you just, and there's more than just the homeschoolers, some that are, but if you just look at those who are taking a different form of education, and the trajectory, if we just take America, where she's headed and how so many rights are gone and people don't even know it, that the trajectory where that's headed... And yet now the insertion of the large, I mean, it doesn't, it's not large in the eyes of the world, but it's hundreds, hundreds yeah. of people, well, I hundreds mean, it's of us like, and our children. It's just like we're told. It only takes 3%. <laughs> only takes yeah. 3% of us. I'm sure we're not even close to 3%, but it really only takes 3% of us to really yeah. stop buying the lie into the, the, the lie that education is about getting money. Yeah, we better move on to number three. Okay, number three, it's all about me. This is the self-interested person. You learn because there's something you are generally interested in. You educate yourself in your hobbies. As long as the learning falls under the category where your natural interests and passions lie, then you like it. If it's fun, you'll do it. There can be a lot of scholarship in this level. In a way, Anelody, when you and I met, you were breaking out of that level. Yeah, that's where I remember was. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, totally where I was. That level, you know, I really, because in my family, you know, my brother started Kinko's. So, you know, we yeah. didn't, Education none of us was in important. our family, yeah, none of us in our family really has uh, bought into the money tree level. We think education is important all the way around. My mother always read. My father always read. We were always continually improving ourselves. So I never really bought into that level, but I truly bought into the third level. If I was interested, I only studied the things I was interested in. And I'll tell you right now, it's an interesting experience. I'm not really a history lover, and and I'm teaching the the, uh, Sword of Freedom this year, and I've had to read... Battle Cry of Freedom, and I was just, my husband and I were going to bed last night, and I said to my husband, oh my gosh, that is the most fascinating story I have ever heard in my entire life, and he said, I know, a novelist couldn't write it better, could it? (laughs) And I said, no, I can't believe how fascinating this story is. He says, I've been trying to tell you for years that you really <laughs> like to study the Civil War. I said, I know, I'm sorry, honey. But, you yeah. know, it's because I'm coming out of the mentality that I only want to study things that I'm interested in. Oh, yeah. you you had When I met you, you had already said, I'm changing that about myself. Yeah. I mean, Thomas yeah. Jefferson education, you know, but it takes totally put a hole in me. <laughs> it takes a long time. Really, it does. I mean... Because I'd only ever studied what I was interested in, you know, for all my whole life, it's taken me five years to really start opening myself up to studying things that are beyond, yeah, yeah, at the other levels. Okay, 
Number three, if three is great and a person learns. A great place to start, isn't it? It's a great place to start. <laughs> it's a great place to just start. And that's the okay. really love of learning, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think? Well, let's keep going because you'll see it's love of learning sort of for in, in the young stages, yes. It's you know, love of learning in the young stages. Now, level four. So that's the it level we would really call one, right, in Thomas Jefferson Education? First level. Well, then there's four, too, but <laughs> right. sort of, yeah. Let's keep going because we do have some love of learning coming up, too. Okay. Number four is branches out. The believer, you learn out of duty. What did you call it, branches out? It, yeah, branches four, branches out. out. Okay. The believer, you learn out of duty. You feel responsible and or are obedient and will learn out of duty, even if you don't love it. But you might like it. You can go pretty far with this level. You can see the genuine benefit from studying outside of your own interests. Now, I do have to say that is the level I went to after I, the next step I, le- I, I That's went That's right. To. When I met you, you had already bought into the Thomas Jefferson philosophy. Right. And, and I understood that I needed a scholar phase. And so out of duty, right. I started out of going duty. there. Yeah. And you hated it. Uh-huh. And yes, and it was painful. Yeah. It, well, it, you what had, did you say here? Sometimes you could, you like it. it. What did you say? Sometimes, sometimes someone might like Even it. Even if you don't love it, you might like it. No, yeah. I, I didn't. <laughs> no, I you didn't did. love it, and I didn't like it. That's right. But you did it out of duty. Right. Yep. And there's discipline involved here. Yeah. Every once in a while, our practice scholars will have this type of attitude, of, and we talk about it with them, and we say. You have been learning things that you've been interested in most of your life, and now I want to tell you that there are some things that you need to learn, and here's why. And you may not like it, but I hope that you will learn it anyway. I hope that you will choose to learn this anyway. I hope you will memorize these things anyway. I hope you will write these papers anyway. I hope that you'll read these books anyway. And And over time... Depending on the child's personality... You know, some of them are going to say no, not going to do yeah. it. But but a majority of a student of the students are going to say, I understand what it, what duty is. I understand that that's part of my duty. I that, right. that I see that this needs to happen. That's right. That's right. Okay. Then level five, loves to learn, and this is where some breadth comes in. This is the altruist. You learn out of a duty to God and self and country. This is the educable person who has learned the mystery of education. That learning is about changing and becoming. So it's not as low a level of duty. You begin to identify and name your roadblocks and discover unknown strengths and strengthen your weaknesses. It is at this level that you will learn to submit to gaining a breadth of the liberal arts. You are learning to submit to the pain of change because you have felt the joy that it brings. You've had enough of the other level that you now love the change it brings. So you complete this cycle and you crave for more and you've now learned to associate the joy with the duty. You know, Tiffany, I really think that you have always been at that level. I mean, I I don't think you ever went at any of the other levels. I think you started at that level. Isn't it funny that you don't have to actually start at the other levels, that they're not like that? Yeah. That's funny. That you just understood. I just, I honestly, I just attribute it to to the 
to. I don't know what I attribute it to. Probably I, to my parents. I think I have one child who started at that started level there. too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, the other one started at, at at different levels, but yeah, I think I had one child. I, I would say Tatiana started yeah. there. It and is, I think it's um, interesting because they, you, I, because I know you, you already. I think you were born with the sense of I have a duty to God, myself, and to my country, and I will learn everything there is to learn. So that I can be a contributing member. It's true. I don't remember ever having a different mantra or reason for learning. And I'll tell you what, though, that's a pretty painful place to be in our society. It is. Unless you've got a group of homeschoolers, which I didn't. And that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty different path to take. I remember being, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old, seeing a funny on a wall that all of a sudden I was like, oh, my gosh, that's me. That is me. And all it was, you know, like 300 sheep jumping off a cliff following their leader and one little sheep turning around the other way through this huge mob of sheep going, excuse me, excuse me, yeah. excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> I remember seeing that going, oh, somebody else feels like me. <laughs> How funny just, is that? Just even because of the way that, that education was. And our youth today are so lucky, especially the ones that we work with, the people who are on this call today, our teachers, the ones that we're working with, That that's these kids. Yeah, oh, yeah, it totally Literally. Is. It, rem- it reminds me of a comic that I once saw. There, There's this man dressed in Greek clothing with this little crown of leaves around his head, and he's sitting there, and he's saying to the kids, let us study the universe and the questions of why we exist and all the things that will bring us great joy and happiness. And the kids are all got their backpacks on their shoulder, and they say, oh, we don't have time, Socrates. We have to take our tests. Oh, yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, level six, freedom finally and depth. This is the dedicated you love learning. You do it for the growth that it brings. It doesn't matter that it's not hard or, or is hard. When the right mentor asks you to do something hard, you do it. You're dedicated to giving heed and diligence to the light communicated from heaven to the intellect. And you're used to learning that way. I want to say that again. <laughs> <laughs> you are dedicated to giving heed and diligence to the light communicated from heaven to the intellect. And you are used to learning that way. You are in the school of intelligence, the school of unending quest for knowledge. And you, the knowledge that comes to you, you learn from every situation. I was on a conversation last night with a close friend of mine talking about when I knew that it was time for me to leave the classroom. And, you know, spending about 18 years in the classroom and learning from that style and I remember having this conversation just you know me just praying and talking and saying oh my gosh I'm not supposed to be here in the classroom anymore but I love learning so much and I'm used to learning like this and I'm going to have to learn from the dishes now (laughs) oh my gosh and from the diapers and from just the garden and just 
Oh, you know, I huge panic. Like, yeah. can I learn from those things? Yeah. You remember, I don't know who it was, I think it was Agassi. I, um, a woman came to him and said, I want to learn. And he said, she goes, all I do is stay. No, it, it was the woman who was admonished to, to look at the floor, and she took up oh, the floor piece okay. and she saw the ant. Mm-hmm. And do you remember the mm-hmm. story that she ended up impacting life? and writing and learning and that was it is my challenge was to learn from life not just the classroom and this is a different kind of learning yeah <laughs> and i was talking to my friend and she's saying i i just i'm really i don't want to submit if i'm not supposed to go back into the classroom this year i don't want to learn this other way you know can i can i tell you this level takes so much practice it takes for me i i feel like i'm entering into this level now and it takes so much practice because you there there are several times where i i have discovered that i'm i'm not i'm not giving heed to the light and knowledge that's coming to me that i'm i'm giving more heed to the the black and white on paper you know it's so much easier to just get the information from a book than to just pay heed to what i'm getting that those what Dr. DeMille calls the, you know, raising the epiphanal rate. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even mean to infer that, that this doesn't include the books because, oh, there's tons and tons of books at this level. Absolutely. But the thing is is that it's not, that's not, um, right. there's more. There's right. more. You're, you're yeah. still reading. More. You're still, in, you know, con- continue yeah. to get your education. But but the real bottom line here is that that the epiphanal rate has been increased so much that, the epiphanies become far more educating than the words on the page. That's right. And it's the rate. It's that they come faster and in newer, broader, you know, even more specific ways. Right. I mean, I did, yeah. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> like the, I, I don't know how to explain it. I remember a time when I was reading something and I wanted to understand it. It was an allegory. I was reading this allegory about this tree and the roots of the tree, and they weren't strong, and I just didn't get it. And I remember asking myself the question, what are the roots, and why do they matter so much? Well, you, when you do that to the universe, you just better watch out, because my tree, my apple tree, fell over the next day. My yard it was flood irrigated and my beautiful wonder wonderful loaded loaded with fruit apple tree fell over literally the next day after i asked the question about roots and i realized that i i, I mean i learned so much because of the allegory and the symbolism and there my beautiful tree with the beautiful fruit couldn't give fruit anymore because its roots were shallow Mm-hmm. You know, and anyway, it just had so much meaning to me. But but this is an incredible level to be at, where the the growth that it brings, and and the thing right here too about the mentor that you submit to to the mentor. Right. You don't ask, well, is it hard? You just say, is it right? I mean, it's just, is it right? I'll do it. Is this the right mentor? I'm going to do it then. You know. Right. Okay. Level seven. Have you invested in your education at this level? This is the ultimate synergy connections level. This is what we call the statesman slash creator. You become a creator. You finally hit a place where you are 
so conditioned, the work doesn't hurt the, quite the same. It's similar to an athlete running a marathon that they've conditioned themselves. So when they run, you know, a good athlete when they're running a marathon or someone who has trained well, when they run the marathon, they're not dead. They're not dead afterward. They they can still walk and go to the store. My my sister says when she was shocked when she ran the last two miles with her friend and then, you know, kind of ducked out when she went across the line. And, and later that day they were shopping and doing all these things. She's like, I can't believe it. I thought she'd just be in bed for a week, you know. But it's it's not like that. It's it's the problem solver stage. It's the creator stage, and it gives a high. It's no longer about you. It is all about others and the doing the creation. work for a higher cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and this is when you really can get it about. This is not about me. You this this is a level where you totally get it that there's no way that you could have ever created what's being created. That just you're just one little peon in the pot of creation, and some great amazing thing is is on the happening. horizon and happening, and That's you right. get to be part of it. That's right, and you're able to connect the fields of of science to music, of pedagogy to biology. You actually, it's all truth is subscribed as one great whole, and you get to see the connections in there. Parts of them, it's the second wind. It's when breakthroughs occur. It's it is when the world sits up and listens. I I love my favorite books to read are the books when this is happening. Like when I read biographies on like the scientist when Lister read about cobalt in a science magazine and decided that somehow that was tied to the high rate of infection at the hospitals. You know, he tied it in and he was able to change the the infection rate because it, it, I just I love to read stories about people who are at this level. Yeah. So what I think is really interesting, I don't know if you've spent a lot of time studying some of those scientists. I'm sure you have. But I, my my dad and I, when, when he was alive, we had this discussion about Lister. You, you're, you brought that up. And my dad had spent his entire life studying the scientists. That, that's what he was, is a scientist. And yes. he, there were some scientists he had a lot of respect for and sometimes some that he didn't have any respect for at all. And though he really liked Lister, and I'll tell you why he liked Lister, because Lister was really unassuming, and he was just solving problems, and he was rejected by 90% of the medical world they did not they would not believe in in his discovery that all you had to do he was the one who put his instruments into cobalt and and disinfected them and he never got any praise or any any recognition for that huge 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 discovery he had this this he you know he did this he did this experiment where he you know would only allow his patients to be in the in the hospital ward, you know, that they had to all wash their hands and wear masks and use the cobalt. And his patients got infection so much less. And and yet Lister Nobody wanted just, to listen. Yeah, they didn't yeah. want to listen to him. But and yeah. Lister just went on, kept doing his thing and and he realized, you know, eventually someday they're gonna see the work and they're gonna agree and then I mean he it he just wasn't something scientist. He, yeah. He was a true yeah. scientist. Yeah, that's that's right. That's that level. 
That's right. We're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comments section. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using because that really helps others find our content. Also, check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. Okay, are you there? That's a true statement. It is a true statement. It is. So the question is, what level are you at on, on that? Let's go to the second category. So you need to rate yourself on where, what level you're at because you want to get to the next level. So you need to know where you're starting. That was the, that's a great test. Is test that's tell right. us where we are. Now here's some questions. This, is, this category is deceiving because all of these actually are under this category. All of these questions are. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this category the family category. And I have a couple of questions. Here's part one of the next category. Do you hold family council meetings? This is just this part. Do you ever hold family council meetings? This one, I, gosh, I don't, I don't, I, and Ellie, I don't know if your family held this. I, I remember one in particular family council meeting that we had when I was 16 years old. And my mom and dad sat all of us down. There's eight kids. They sat us all down, and they said, we're moving, <clears throat> and we need to know if that's okay with you. We're going to move from Salt Lake down to St. George. I mean, it wasn't just a move across town. It wasn't in the Salt Lake Valley. I mean, it was like, okay, we're never going to see our friends again type moving. And they sat us all down and, and they said, how do you guys feel about this? You know, we're having a family council meeting. We're talking together and problem solving together. And they went around the room and asked each of us how we felt about it. And I remember the, the reactions of my brothers and sisters. I remember especially my sister Cammie's reaction. And it was, no way! I just made the basketball team! You know? And you can't take me away from, and she named her friends, and she said, no way, I'm not moving. And she was really upset, and it turned, you know, that they got to me, and they said, what do you want to do? And I said, look, if it's right, I'm there. And I said that, and they went to the next person, went around, and and then mom could, we, we were, we'd been fighting. All of us, it, it totally got out of control. Cammie and I were arguing. Everybody was arguing. And and Mom said, okay, okay, everybody stop. And she said, everybody stand up and scoot over one seat and sit back down. And we all did this. And then she says, okay, you've become that person. Now, do you want to move? She went <laughs> around the room. And for some reason, Cammie and I just traded places. We hadn't just scooted over. We had just swapped places. Everybody in the room had swapped with somebody. And we'd swap places and she got to Cam to me and I was Cammy and she said, Do you want to move? I mean everybody had been talking and arguing and nobody'd been listening to each other, but all of a sudden I had to be Cammy. She said, Do you want to move? And I said, No, I just worked really hard and I finally made a basketball team and and my friends are on it and we just barely moved two years ago and I want to move again. And I was feeling what she was feeling. And I was hurting inside. It was horrible, Anelody. Oh, amazing. It was horrible. It was so horrible. 
I just, I mean, it was awful. I remember the feelings of how hard. I just, it, it felt horrible. I, as Candy, I didn't want to move. You know, Tiffany, I, I need to tell you something. I think it's very interesting watching your family as you have, all of you are getting older and, and now you're babe, the baby of the family's married. You know, you're all out on your own now. You, you come from a very large family. There are eight of you. And, the, and, and I come from a very large family. There are 11 of us. And I, I sit there and marvel all the time at how, what great friends you are in your family and how I compare it to the difficult times that we have in our family because we aren't as good, good as friends as you are and we're not as close as you are. And it seems to me that your family, even though, you know, sometimes being close can be too close. But but it seems to me that you have that your siblings have pretty good boundaries and and they and they understand how how far t- too close is and how you know y- you work together as a family even now, yeah. which it, which is surprising to me and and I I keep ask, I've asked this question over and over and over and over and over again, how, why isn't my family of eleven because we you know you think that large families you know they have all the same characteristics. But they don't. Why is it that my family of 11 doesn't have the same kind of relationships that your family of 8 has? And I, and, you know, I've analyzed and analyzed and analyzed this. And I really believe, Tiffany, that the difference, the only difference between your family and my family is that your parents held family council and mine didn't. Because you had a chance that gave you the chance. You had a chance to sit in Cammy's seat and see okay. how she felt. I never was given that opportunity to be with my parents, and my parents say, "Can you just for one second sit in Cammy's seat?" Oh, they never had that opportunity to coach me through my feelings about that. Well, and and sometimes we'd have family councils on. You know, there could be a real problem, and we'd sit down together and and as a family come up with solutions. Yeah, and, you and were, it taught and us you, autonomy. Right, and you were you were in right. on the, the the problem solving together, and yet I know your parents very well. I know that they're very strong leaders. I know that you you could look to. I know that I'm part of this problem solving, but I also know that I have a, a leader who's leading forward, and he's going to help. They're going to help me get to the next step of my life. Yeah. Well, I, and I, that's the second part of this question is as as husband and wife in your homes, unless you're a single parent, or maybe we have people on the call who don't have children yet, but as husband and wife, do you hold executive council meetings between husband and wife? And You know, so- it's interesting, Tiffany, because I think executive council meeting makes some men feel very uncomfortable because then they're going to have to sit down with their wife face to face and really talk about the real the real issues in their family you know, and their relationship. You know, it is really funny that you say it makes the men uncomfortable. I don't know any family that the woman isn't begging for it. Right. <laughs> Honestly. And how many beg and beg for it for years before that's been all of a sudden realized, "Oh my gosh, the things I want in life actually happen if I hold executive council meetings." <laughs> We actually have 
our money gets in line and our and our children are they're you know the things I want to happen with the children the meals I want to eat whatever it is my ironing gets done the way I want it and my ironing gets done the way I exactly Exactly. it's such a beautiful form for communication and I I love it I tell you that I feel so cherished when my husband says to me on a weekly basis Tiffany how you doing how you coming on your goals what are your needs you know, and then he, and then I say to him, "Honey, how are you doing? What are your needs?" And then I love it when he goes to the next level and he says, "Tiffany, tell me about all the kids." And I can say, "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh, Melanie! Oh, I need your help with her so bad! Yeah. I just uh, I don't know what to do." And he says, "Well, have, you know, maybe we ought to try this." Uh-huh. And he totally has the answer. You know, yeah, it's it's family. It's 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 the council, the executive council meeting, where we actually solve the real problems of our life. I'll tell you, one time I was having a huge struggle trying to help my son, who, when he was younger, he had, he he just just so willful. There was just no way. I, I, school was just impossible for me with him, and and I can remember times I would be calling my husband on the phone in in the middle of the day. Okay, if you don't come home right now. You will have homicide on your hands. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore, you know. And uh, you know, I can't even tell you the, the executive council meetings that we had, how many we had to 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 address this issue. <clears throat> Finally, we'd been I two three years probably. Finally, my husband said to me, "Honey." Why don't you just give in and speak his language for him? What are you talking about? Don't you understand that he's a carrot child? If you put a carrot out for him, he will go for the carrot. Just keep trying to find carrots, and it will help him train him. Wow. And I said, I don't believe in carrots. And he said, it's okay, honey. It's okay if you don't believe in carrots. Because he does. Because he does. <laughs> wow. And wow. finally, after three years, I stopped I stopped whining and, and, and groaning because we, in family, in executive council meeting, we kept just coming up with carrots. Okay, what's a new carrot? Okay, what's a new carrot? Okay, what's a new carrot? <laughs> and, right. and we finally started having success with him. Well, I, I love, I, I know that I feel if, if I don't have, I mean, if we go one week without it, it, it's okay. But by the time we go two or three weeks without our exec council meeting, I feel like a chicken with its head cut off. That you're not a cop. Yeah. yeah. I did just running around, aimless. Yeah. Not knowing how to help my husband reach his goals. He doesn't know how to help me. We're, we're crossing paths. He doesn't know what the kids need, and and it's he total doesn't know disconnect. Yeah, total disconnect. He doesn't know that so and so is about to have an emotional breakdown, and if he gives them too big of a job, I will. Oh my gosh, they're going to fall apart because I'm communicating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, it, it's so. Yeah, th- those are two of the the major questions about how liver are you? Is your family councils and your exec council meetings? How Do well you are you stimulating liver in your home? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to ask the other two, or do you want to go on to the next? Go ahead. Let's let's ask the next one. Okay. The next category 
this is a this is a really fun category. This is you know, it's almost not fair. This one's called stewardship. How how are you a good steward? Are you a good steward? And there are many things to be a good steward over. Are you a good steward over your time? Are you a good steward over the physical objects in your home? Are you a good steward over your talents and abilities? Are you a good steward over your money? This is this is about stewardship. Are you a good steward? I mean, we've all heard the the biblical parable about the talents and the the man. I don't know if it's the king or who it was, but he he gave his his servants talents, and depending on what they did with it, one man increased it, the other man used them. One of the men took his and buried it in the ground. And when the king came back and the man who had five and who increased him, he he gave him the one, the man who buried his in the ground. He says, I was afraid that, you know, something would happen to it. I just buried it. Well, the king was very unhappy with that servant. He took that talent. He gave it to the one that had many. It's really funny. My husband and I have been talking. We're like, if you ever want to get something done, go to the busiest person, <laughs> you know, who who gets a lot of things done. They get a lot more responsibilities they know how to use their time. They so this is about stewardship. Are you a good steward? Are you a good steward over your body? Are you a good steward over I mean there's so many categories here that really puts everything into its proper perspective and sometimes people can just really change the focus into being a steward over one aspect of their life and lose everything else. That's Excuse not me, what I, it is. Can I share a story here? Yes. My husband and I were really asking ourselves this question, especially in the way of finances. My husband is a, a banker. He has an MBA. He has a degree in international finance. You know, he money was his thing. He, you know, economics and, you know, he he was he was valedictorian and economics was his subject, you know. And yeah. so he felt like he was very well educated in this area, and yet our personal finance never really seemed to they didn't bring in, you peace. Yeah, it didn't bring us peace. We 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 were in debt. We didn't know how to get along as far as money. You know, he figured I'm right about money. So you just do what I tell you to do. And I and 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 I didn't agree with that. <laughs> and we were just we feeling so floundered. You know, we just were not doing well. And we kept asking, our, I kept saying, we kept saying to each other, we just are not being good stewards over this, and we don't know how to get any better. And I can remember a time about four or five years ago, we were we were praying, and I just pled to the Lord, please help us with our with our money. We we are we don't we're not doing this right. And we looked into financial counseling and debt consolidation, and you know we looked into all kinds of stuff to help our help get. You know, my husband had just gone through school. We had seventeen thousand dollars in in student loans, and you know things like that. And so we had an opportunity to be introduced to a, to a program, and my husband looked into it and started to get really excited about it. And we decided to take the classes. It was really cheap, 
it was only like $120 for, for 13 weeks of classes. And what we realized it helped us do, it wasn't someone who came in and just took over our money for us and took it away from us. It was someone who came in and helped us become good stewards over our money. And, you know, we spent 13 weeks learning how to get along that relationship. Money is about relationships. And my husband was never taught that in his school. In fact, my husband doesn't really get like relationships that much. So relationships with money was a whole new concept for him. But when he realized that money was about relationships, all of a sudden something changed in our lives. We were able to pay off all of our debt. We have money in the bank. We have savings now that we've never had before. We have investments we've never had before. And all in five years, because we asked ourselves the question, are we a good steward over our finances, and we discovered we were not. And we had to learn how to become good stewards you know the the question am i a good steward with uh, over my body am i a good steward over, over my family we we have to realize that there are answers out there for for us in all of those questions yeah yeah and and the point is to start it's a stewardship mentality is what it is right and it is part of being liber the stewardship mentality is thank you for for sharing that, and it's been incredible to to watch the difference that Financial Peace University has made in you and and in even our life. And I, that is a great mentor for the financial stewardship. Okay, next question. Let's let's move on. Number four is is about the vocabulary for freedom. You know, last week we kind of talked about the importance of vocabulary. So so these things will these words we picked some that are that are very important that could take years and years before we truly have the meanings of them. We just want to list some and through the year watch your understanding of these we just have ten. We just have ten vocabulary words. We're going to list them and hope that over the year all of our understandings for in in these, you know, ten Areas growth. Okay. The, the first one is the word sovereignty. I introduced that a little bit last week, but let me just give you my my experience with the word sovereignty. I he- first started hearing hearing the word on a regular basis when I started started homeschooling because, of course, people are very interested in their sovereignty who homeschool. <laughs> I'd never really even heard the word before that. Now I'm sure Tiffany had. But and but I and I looked up the word and wanted to know you know more about it and that and I had some people who called themselves sovereign citizens you know and kind of looked into that but it wasn't until I really started studying John Locke last year that I started to to comprehend the word sovereignty. Let me give you a definition. Sovereignty connotates power. and the history of thought behind power. What is organic power or natural power, and what is man-made power? 
the difference between the two. Now these are just some introductory thoughts as the year progresses and as our education progresses this this year. Like every single one of these we could spend an entire week on. That's just that's the point. <laughs> right. So I'm gonna second. I'm just gonna give the de the definition one more time. Okay, connotates power, the history of thought behind power, and what's the difference between organic power and man-made power. Okay, good. Number two, worldviews. Can you list at least six worldviews and be able to carry on a fluent conversation in any one of those worldviews? Should we test ourselves, Tiffany? Can we Can we list six? I'm not testing myself. Okay, I, I'll test myself. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. I'll hold the conversation with you in the Okay. <laughs> Biblical Christianity. Good. Okay. Uh, secular humanism. Good. Cosmic humanism. Good. Postmodernism, which is all Good. existentialism. I think you can make uh, the connection between the two, that they're both the same. Do you? Do you? Put all existentialism in postmodernism. Yeah, I do. Okay, but we could have a discussion on that if you want. <laughs> you could list it somewhere else, but I you think keep that, no, I do. I, think I just that, break postmodernism into two groups. But keep going. Okay, what do you break it into? Well, keep going. I don't. I okay. I okay. Keep going. Okay, Islam. Good. And I would say the Chinese, the Chinese worldview would be Taoism or Buddhism. Okay, good. So this can give our teachers an idea of what we're talking about here with the worldviews. And I love TGYC Level Three. I love it because that's where we introduce. We pick in TGYC Level Three. We pick three. We we cover several worldviews and and learn the the base. Um, philosophy and their view on several things, but then we actually pick three and begin to read books in those areas and to where it it initiates the education in the worldviews for our youth. Well, the reason why we choose the three is because it's they're the three most prominent in the Western world. Yes, and and, and, and I've allowed our my teachers to have the students pick what three they actually want to read True. books and like if they want to choose wild swans they're going to get a different world view than if they picked you know all of the works of Shakespeare right you know or something but they at least begin to go deeper into three and that's you know part I, I love I love TGYC three for that okay question number three is forms the vocabulary is forms can you list the categories of forms, the element of a form? We're not going to go into these right now. We do have a whole conference call later in the year on forms. Yes, and be be waiting for that, looking for that. It, it, I think it's our last call. We'll be we'll be One going way a really depth on forms, but okay. it, forms. And if you don't understand what a form is, you can just say it's a system. Form is a much better word for it. But if you can start looking in your life, discovering the patterns that that develop the forms yeah. or underlying in the forms. Okay, number five is human nature, the nature of man. Just 
what is it that you know about human nature? What Take note of everything that you learn about human nature. For instance, you know, I mentioned the simulation that Mr. Westerman held in the history class, that it was human nature for people to put off, like if they were uncomfortable, they didn't want to stand out in a crowd. It was hard to know when to say, no, you've gone too far. They want to protect themselves. And, you know, it's human nature. All Hitler did was tap into human nature and use fear. Um, right. It takes education to rise above the nature of man. There's the most interesting thing that just happened recently with one of my friends. She, she's she been leading in, in this organization that we have here, and she had another one of her friends call her and complain about something that was going on in the organization. And immediately my friend decided that she wanted she needed to make a change because, you know, if someone's complaining, then we've got to change something. And so she sent out an email saying, okay, I'm going to change this. And then I called her back and said, you know, we need to really consider this. And I kind of went over all the points of what we needed to consider. And I said, you know, I don't think we need a change. I think we just need to remember that the complainers seem very loud. And it's human nature for us to respond to a complainer, even if it's the minority. And we have to be very careful to respect the voice of the majority that aren't complaining. And sometimes when people complain, they're complaining about the system and not the root problem. Right. The person, the leader has to hear what the real root problem is. Sometimes yeah. it's the, 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 the complainer isn't educated some, in, in that topic. So, I mean, there's like a thousand things, right. but the, it's the responsibility of the leader to find what's the root. Right. But uh, it's yeah. human nature. Yeah, People it is. Know it is. It's human nature that if to they complain, the they will be heard. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And we can look at our law, how our law and adjudicated our judging system, you know, fits and where human nature falls and how it impacts that. I mean, the whole thing. Right. Okay. Number five, natural law. Two fields of natural law: the laws that govern nature and the laws that govern man. Number six. Vocabulary. Oh, wow. that, that was a bomb to drop. Should we just go to that yep. and leave it? Natural yeah. law. Yeah, natural law. <laughs> well, she just I know. that bomb and leave. <laughs> Inalienable. What are your God-given rights and what are the rights that, that need to be suspended for? Do you have anything to say on inalienable? What is the name of the Okay, no, seven, suffrage. Number I don't eight. I have a defini de definition for suffrage because I think that it's every every person's duty to know that word, and so we're not even going to give you the definition of suffrage. <laughs> okay, number eight, LIBOR, and we begin to go into that. I mean, just good, you know, this whole call is on LIBOR. Number nine, rhetoric. We've got three that go with this, you know, comparing rhetoric, spin, and propaganda. What's the difference between the three, rhetoric, spin, and propaganda? I think it's yep. very interesting that some people think that rhetoric is simply propaganda. It may be, no, Propaganda but is it? uses rhetoric. <laughs> yes. Propaganda uses rhetoric. Yep. They're not the same thing. No. And then so, ten. Oh, go ahead. So... It's really important for us to understand the difference between rhetoric, spin, and propaganda so that we know that when we're 
when we're giving some when we're given information and it has a spin to it, it's probably twisted a little toward somebody's worldview or towards somebody else's opinion and we're getting a spin on it so we're not really getting the full information. Dr. DeMille does a full, a wonderful, he did a presentation on media, the media in the yeah. modern day. And he talks, they talk about spin and they, they spend a lot of time explaining that all of our modern, all of our immediate media that we have at our, at our hands, it usually has a spin to it. But if we'll go into the more, the periodicals, National Review is one of them. I don't know all of them. Actually read the news. And actually read the periodicals and read the event instead of the spin that's given to the event in the news, then we'll understand what's going on. Yes. And we can form a, formulate an, an opinion on the truth instead of on a spin. Good. And then the tenth is the vocabulary of the great debate. What is the great debate? And okay. are you engaged in the great debate? That's right. Okay, we have time to open it up for questions for about for for a few minutes, for like about ten minutes. Does that sound good, Anality? Yeah, it sounds great. Okay, yeah, here's you, how we're gonna do it. If you have a question, then press six. It will unmute you. Say your name and direct ask your question. question. Sometimes we have a hard time with this. Some people can't unmute. This is Dina. Hi, Dina. Hi, Christine. What the heck? Dina Ortiz? Yes. Hi. <laughs> Great lecture. After natural law, what was, I kind of lost in the con uh, conversation, what was number six, rights? Or because you said inalienable right? Pardon me? Inalienable. It's just a okay, word the word inalienable. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Carol Jensen. Hi, Carol. Hello, Carol. Hi. Number six on the levels of LIBOR, I just didn't catch what you called it. The dedicated. It's Pardon? Freedom, freedom finally. Okay. Freedom finally. It's depth. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And the person and and the characteristic is the dedicated. Actually, Tiffany, can you say that this is Dina again on number six? You did your de your statement twice about that. Would you mind doing it one more time about dedicated? Yeah, you love learning. You do it for the growth that it brings. It doesn't mean that it's not hard, but you do what's right. Like when the mentor asks you to do something, you don't say, "Is it hard?" Say it right. You are dedicated to giving heed and diligence to the light communicated from heaven to the intellect. Probably the sentence you were looking for. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you are in the school of intelligence, not just the school of books, not just the school of whatever. It's the school of intelligence, um, the school of the unending quest for knowledge and understanding. Tiffany, this is Nicolene. I have a comment. Hi, um, So we're going over these levels, and the thing that kept coming to me, the levels of LIBOR, the thing that kept coming to me was that I know so many people who are probably in level three where it's all about them, 
And they all of a sudden they look and they go, oh, you know what? I want to be in freedom. And so they just think they can jump there. Right. And you they know what, jump there. Nicolene, I have a comment to make about that because it's something I've really come across too. I think you and I are in the same boat here. I will tell you why. And it's because in the 1950s, our our society began to move toward more of an existentialist worldview. And because we started moving into the existentialist worldview, it became all about us. And so it became, education became a fight between what I wanted to do and what you want me to do. Absolutely. Because I want to be free to do what I want to do. And so because we have this existentialist background in all of our community, we don't understand the difference between, oh, I'm so free, I'm free to do what I want to do, and I'm free to choose right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And if I choose right, I will get the, I will be able to do have the consequences of that and if I choose wrong I will have to do the take the consequences of that. The, totally. Thomas Jefferson education is about freedom to do what is right or wrong. Not freedom to do whatever you darn well please. Right, well and it's very important for people to know, like I was tracking through my own education and I remember specifically when I all of a sudden thought, Okay, I'm supposed to be writing more so every time I read my core books, I'm going to take notes. Every time, even though I don't want to. That was the duty. That was the branching right. out. Okay, right. I have to do this. I'm going to do this. And then when I switched to the other, when all of a sudden it was, oh, wow, do I ever love this course, God, this country, this, wow, and, and yeah. I love it. And then you move on. But the thing is, is that you can't just skip, I don't think, those other levels. You have to, to some degree let yourself experience that duty so that it leads to that love, so that it leads to that freedom. And I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought, you know, there's so many people who could hear this and who could think, oh, I want freedom. I'm just going to go do that one. Right. And, you have to and, move through it because you have yeah. actually, to get to level seven, there's a certain amount of education you have to have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? And like yeah. and like you I think what you're saying is it's a process, Nicolene. Yes, it is. Processing it through is. it. Yeah. I would agree with you there for sure. And I have to admit that like I said, I really honestly don't think Tiffany was ever at any other level but at level five. I think she started there. <laughs> I think she was born with that sense of duty. I but wasn't. if you're not. <laughs> yeah, but if you're not. Because uh, I yeah, think I started, I, wasn't. I started at a three, too, yeah. I think, it, you know. and Yeah. But it's and the top three. You have to move through those. Yeah. You can't skip. Yeah. I was just going to say the other thought that occurred to me as I was going through was that it's really, really important how you were talking about the schools teach, okay, you need to do this for the job. But when we're doing things in our home, I make a special effort to give my children vision in those later stages yeah. and in showing them what I had to do in my duty stage or things like that because you do kind of start them out in level three in a way when they're little. Right. right. Yeah. Totally. yeah. You know? And so well, you I... have to give them that vision all the time and not just live in the level but make sure right. that you can see those other levels. In a Thomas Jefferson well, education, you can you don't you don't have to do level one and level two. In fact you don't want to do level one and level two. Start at level three. <laughs> yeah. Well the funny thing is, Melody, in in analyzing how it works, even though even though I learned 
because I loved it and out of the duty and I knew that I was learning for a higher purpose than even just me, that doesn't mean that human nature didn't make it about me for quite a while. Yes. Too. I mean, you, there, it, it, I remember the process when I realized that there was more than just because of what I was going to become, that it was actually about others. Yeah. I and, and also the battle, I remember the battle that I faced constantly at school robbed me of my time. That's what it robbed me of. I remember having the conversation with my dad in our private interview saying, Dad, I wish I had a photographic memory because I have to memorize all these things for the test. It takes so much time. I spend seven hours at school and about four more hours on homework. And two hours of my homework is just memorizing stuff from my next test that I forget later. And if I had a photographic memory, then I could just read all day. And I could really get an education. You know, I mean, because school really robbed me of my time because I did buy into getting good grades. Yeah. You know, it was not, I I was like I was on two horses. I wanted an education for the real reason, and I also thought I had to have good grades. Right. And it can't ride two horses very long. Yeah. What it, someone was saying something. Oh, it was just Nicolene again. I said, I did the same thing. That's why I fluffed so much school. <laughs> How hilarious is that? All right. Anyone else with any other questions? This is Mary Taylor. I was just wondering what you mentioned about the periodicals. And on, I'm just wondering what some of those are. And then also, if you could quickly tell us where we can look up more things about worldviews. Okay, there's a book called Understanding the Times. If you haven't read okay. that, it's a it's a must read. It's on the okay. five pillar the five pillar list. Right. And that that's a good place to start with worldviews. And there's a ton, it's a research book, so there's a ton a ton of references in that book you can you can go to. And the other one is you know I'm so bad at this periodicals. The only one I read is National Review, so I don't know all of them. And so, where could I get that? Or you can order it online, and it's a monthly periodical. Comes to your home. It's okay. about fifty dollars a month. And my husband reads a year. Sorry, my husband reads U.S. News and World Report. That's okay. on, that's another one on that list. Let's see. What does my daughter read? We try to read three different ones so that we can share our information. Because well, I, I like to read all. Foreign Affairs. Oh, Foreign Affairs. That's the one she reads. Is Foreign Affairs. Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.